Here I'd like to speak about the sacrament of marriage in particular, namely, what is what does the sacrament do? A sacrament deputes a person for worship. We tend to think that the sacraments just are, are there to kind of help us along with just our daily lives. So the Eucharist just going to help you, you know, give you some energy for the day or for the week. Then when you mess up, you've got confession to help you with, you know, get, you know, get over your faults and failings and so on. But St. Thomas Aquinas is very clear that by the sacraments, men are deputed to a spiritual service pertaining to the worship of God. So your sacrament of marriage is for that purpose. It, it realizes its fulfillment in the worship of God. When you give yourselves uh, to prayer together as a family, and most of all, when you come here to the altar, uh, it's not, the grace isn't given to you just for your sort of daily living, the married life, but most importantly, for this worship. So in that regard, we should think of our Lord himself, whom we spent the day adoring and whom we receive in Holy Communion. We should consider his poverty, chastity, and obedience. Because the grace is, is bestowed upon you in marriage to, to imitate him and to give yourselves to one another and for that worship. But then also his example is to be followed so that you can remove what hinders you from, from that love and from that worship. He calls us to poverty, chastity, and obedience because he himself is poor, chaste, and obedient. And it is Christ the bridegroom who is poor, chaste, and obedient the bridegroom of the church, the one who sets the standard for all husbands by giving his life on the cross, the one whom we adore in the Eucharist and whom we receive, the bridegroom. He comes to us poor, chaste, and obedient. His poverty, chastity, and obedience are ordered towards the cross, that perfect act of worship of the Father. On the cross, Christ is the poorest that he can be. He has divested himself or been divested of everything. And then on the cross, he even gives his life, the ultimate poverty. And on the cross, he is chaste. He is the chaste bridegroom who has given his body as a gift to his beloved, not seeking anything for himself other than her love. And of course, he's obedient. As we heard earlier today, he was made obedient even unto death, death on a cross. He goes to the cross because of the Father's will.
It's not just the offering of his body that is salvific. It is the offering of his will to the Father. He makes himself poor in order to enrich his bride. We are made rich by Christ's poverty. He gives up everything so that we may have it. And that is an example for each of you in your making yourself poor, in emptying yourself for the other, in sacrificing for the other, you, you do it in order to enrich the other and, uh, and your children as well. And in striving for that chastity, it is to give yourself unreservedly to the other. Christ is the bridegroom only of the church, he has no other bride. There is no one else, no other religion, no other philosophy, no other people to whom he has given himself unreservedly. And there is nothing lacking in his giving. Unchastity is a divided giving. It's an impure giving. Our Lord's chastity revealed most of all on the cross is a whole and entire giving out of love for us. And he makes himself obedient for us, his bride. It's not for his own sake, but for, for our sake. It is out of love for his father and for his bride that he goes to the cross, that he makes himself obedient. And that comes to us here at Mass. The Mass is always the standard for, for marriage. Uh, but perhaps we can understand our Lord's presence here in the Eucharist through these evangelical councils. He makes himself poor, again, in the host, humbling himself to come to us again under the form of bread. So vulnerable and completely without glory places himself completely, if you will, at our mercy. He makes himself poor again. We love Christmas because of the miracle of the eternal God becoming a little child. And if we love that, we should love the Mass even more because here he becomes not just a little child, but he comes to us under the form of something even more humble, ordinary bread. Your poverty should follow that same pattern. And here at the Mass, the bridegroom unites himself with his, the bride. And there's nothing lacking from his gift of himself in the Eucharist. It's always fitting, I think, that, that, that the host at Mass be pure white to convey the purity of our Lord's gift. That there is nothing lacking of what he gives. May the same be said and be true of you. And most extraordinarily, he's obedient here. And not just obedient to his father, but obedient to the words of a mere man, a priest. He promised that he would be, and he is, when the priest says, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood. Our Lord is present there in obedience ultimately to his promise, but 
by way of these words spoken by a mere man. May the same generous, self-giving, obedience, mutual subjection also be yours as well. There's another point that St. Thomas makes about sacraments. He says that because a sacrament deputes you for, for worship, he says it follows that, that by their means the faithful receive a certain spiritual character. And so for those ordained priests, for, well, everybody who's baptized and confirmed, there's, there's an indelible mark, as we say. For priests, another indelible mark. In marriage, it's referred to as an adornment. You are adorned with certain spiritual characters, characteristics, for the purpose of divine worship. So you bring that glory, that adornment, with you when you come to worship. Marriage is not eternal the way baptism, confirmation, priesthood is eternal. We know that the only marriage in heaven is that between Christ and the church. All others yield to that one. It doesn't mean spouses are not together in heaven, but their marriage yields because it's realized its purpose, the marriage between Christ and the church. But even though there's not that change in the soul that is eternal, there is in this world that adornment that you should be conscious of and realize that a certain consecration has been given to you for the purpose of worship. And when do you worship? When you pray together. So make sure that you set aside time to pray with one another. Sometimes with the children, but at certain set times, just the two of you. It is there that you learn that mutual subjection out of reverence for Christ. It is there that you give more. Because it's a much more intimate thing to sort of expose your body, your, your soul, than it is to expose your body. It is there in prayer that, that you learn that, that poverty of going before your Heavenly Father together with nothing but petitions and then receiving the enrichment that he desires to give you. You worship in your private prayer, and most of all, when you come here. Here, pray for the grace of renewal of your marriage every time you come, every time you come to Mass, without fail. Remember that you are poor. You lack the grace or to, to live marriage on your own. You lack the means to do it. You are poor, and you come here as those who are poor, and from this altar, you again ask for the grace to live your marriage in a fruitful manner, in, in a way that conveys to the world what marriage is. Today is the first Saturday of the month, and it is, of course, as many of you know, uh, given to uh, veneration of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, just as our Lord, uh, well, every saint teaches us something about our Lord, but Our Lady does that perfectly. And there's no heart that was so conformed to our Lord's Sacred Heart than her Immaculate Heart. 
And so it is always good for us at Mass to keep in mind her presence as well. Her marriage to Joseph was ordered towards divine worship in a unique manner because it's within the context of their marriage that the perfect form of worship comes into the world, the one who is to be to offer that perfect worship on the cross. And so ask her to accompany you at every Mass. She is mystically somehow present here with us at Mass. Ask her to assist you, to ask for those graces needed to participate in this worship more so that your marriage can be, become a, a more fitting form of divine worship for all. It's been wonderful to be with you today and very edifying, uh, not only in the number of you that are here, but just in, in your reverence, in your recollection, uh, in seeing you kind of walk outside and catch up with one another and spend time renewing that affection and that devotion to one another. Yours is a difficult vocation to live in our culture. Uh, realize that you are poor and that you need the grace that comes from this altar to renew the grace of your marriage. Don't shortchange your marriage and see it as just something for this world, but realize that it, it is ordered to divine worship already in this world and to bring both of you and your children into that eternal worship. May God reward you and bless you abundantly for your prayers, your recollection, your sacrifices, and may he bless others abundantly through your marriage.